Zephaniah chapter 1 verse... My name is Brian Kinsey and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100 or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. There's going to come a time, hear me, there's going to come a time when God's going to do this with every individual in this house. And according to the text, he said, I'm going to search Jerusalem with candles. Now that's just downright personal that God is going to search your heart, your life with candlelight and punish the men that are settled on their leaves, meaning they're complacent, that say in their heart, now this is important, that God is not going to do good, neither will he do evil. Now, it's one thing to expect God to do one or the other, but when you think God ain't going to do nothing, something's wrong, when you think God's not going to do nothing. Because I can promise you this, God is always going to do something. And you might as well expect it. My text is very simple. Searched by candlelight. Searched by candlelight. I want you to put your Bibles down for just a moment. And before you're seated, I want you to war alongside me again in the Holy Ghost because this message is weighing very heavy upon my heart and I want to do my best to deliver it to you and to speak it into your spirit. And we need to hear what the Holy Ghost wants to say to us in this house. Would you join with me again? One more time, would you lift your voice and would you cry out to the Lord? And would you plead the blood of Jesus with me? God, get our attention tonight. Let us hear the word. Let us take it personal. Let's receive it personally, like God speaking to us individually and as a church and as a people. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You may be seated. Of all the metaphors for salvation, my favorite, I believe, is the transfer from darkness and into light. That he has brought us out of darkness and into this marvelous light. How many of you are thankful that God's brought you out of darkness and you are into the marvelous light? But you do know that some people prefer darkness. They don't want to be exposed. They don't want God searching their heart. They do not want God to know what's going on. And yet God knows all things and it's very foolish for anyone to think that God doesn't already know, for he does. But this is the true statement that you need to understand. 
Now, I believe that my Jesus wants to save everybody in this house. I don't think there is a single person in this building that God does not want to save. But by the same token, my friend, be very sure of this. Whereas God does want to save you, he also wants to perfect you. And he wants to clean your life up. And he wants to get you on the straight and narrow path. And he wants you to live for God. How is he going to do this? The Bible says he's going to search us with candles. And there might be other candles in the scripture that the Lord will use to search us. But I'm going to mention three here tonight. The name Zephaniah means the Lord has hidden And in the day of doom and gloom, God had spoken to Zephaniah and told him that he was going to spare a remnant and there was going to be a people that were going to be godly, that there was going to be a people that were going to make the right choice. Now, I want to be in that number. And Zephaniah made it very clear that these people would be worshipers of God and that they would not allow the surroundings or even the wrong choices of others around them to keep them from praising and magnifying the Lord and enjoying the presence of God. He made that very clear that just because there are people that are messing up and making the wrong choice and walking the wrong path, that doesn't mean it has to interrupt my relationship with God or my enjoyment of serving Jesus Christ. I can get up here in the house and clap my hands and praise the Lord. It doesn't make it a difference how many hypocrites are in the church. I can still praise and bless and lift up and exalt the name of Jesus. Zephaniah was the descendant of a good king, Hezekiah. He was also the one who was God's spokesman and announced the judgment that was going to come upon Judah and Jerusalem. His message is short, three chapters long, some 53 verses in length. And he made it very plain that Jerusalem was about to witness trouble and distress and darkness and alarm and all of this would come not because of the, of the devil's attack, but because of the judgments of God. And there's a difference between spiritual warfare. You can't fight God and win. You, you can't fight God. If God's pouring out judgment, there's only one thing you can do in response to that. You can pray all you want to, but you better repent. You better find out what he don't like. And you better repent of it right then in the name of Jesus. Or you'll continue down the path of judgment. He takes time to announce that the faithful would one day sing that song of joy that hidden in the day of the Lord's anger would be that time when the remnant would come out victorious and that they would be exposed as being the people that have made the right choice. But my attention is focused on this instrument that God is going to use to purify his people, to purify me and to purify you. He said, I will search Jerusalem with candles. Now notice that what, who Jerusalem really is in the scripture. 
Let's note what God didn't say. He didn't say, I'm going to search Rome with candles. He didn't say, I was going to search Babylon with candles. You had not got it figured out by now that Rome and, and Babylon is, is an evil place. You don't need to search with anything. Man, you could be in the, in the pitch black and know that they're messed up. But he's going to search Jerusalem with candles. Jerusalem was the object of the Lord's affection. In Galatians 4, 26, we find out in the New Testament what Jerusalem is. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. So we understand from Paul's writing that Jerusalem is also a type of the church. Not just the city of Jerusalem, but the church. And I promise you, my friend, he has, he does, and he always will search his church. He looks for those who show themselves godly. He's looking for somebody in this place that'll worship him. He's looking for somebody that says when everybody else is going to walk and be sinful, I'm going to walk and be godly. When everybody else makes the choice and it looks like they're getting away with it and it looks like they're doing things that, they, that, it, it, that they're getting away with, I have made them up in my mind, I'm going to serve the Lord. He looks for that person. He looks for that person that's buried beneath the cares of this life to see if there's an opportunity that he could bless you and he could lift you. He's looking for that person who's living in the shadows of that spiritual eclipse that doesn't see as clearly, but yet you're still trying to walk with God. And I know that some people, they are in the dark and they don't know what's going on in their life. And I, I believe that he's looking for you to bless you and to help you and to give you light so that he can give you direction so that you can overcome. But he's also looking for those that are lying to the Holy Ghost. He's also looking for those who are filled with ungodliness and sin and they're lying to the Holy Ghost. And I promise you, my friend, that he is going to search you out and the judgment of the Lord will come against you if you don't make it straight tonight. Notice the Lord is not limited in his searching ability. Zephaniah spoke in the plural. He didn't say candle. He said candles, plural. God can search his people in many ways. And so I'm just going to mention three of them so you'll understand what I'm talking about. First of all, God's going to search us with his all-knowing presence. I think of this lonely postman of Patmos caught away in a heavenly vision. He saw someone he knew but, but didn't know because he had known him when he was alive uh, in the earth. But now that he sees him in the vision, he's totally different. He's risen. He's glorified. He's amidst the seven golden candlesticks. He, each lamp of fire represented one of the seven churches of Asia, and he was searching his church with, with candles. He said, I, I, I'm looking at Ephesus, and I know thy works. He, said, he told Smyrna, I know thy works. He told Pergamos, I know thy works. He told Thyatira, I know that. Oh, well, God knows my heart. I believe that with all of my heart. But he also knows your works. He knows what you're doing and then what you say you are and then what you're doing. And when they're different, 
He knows. Then don't think he don't count it. You say, oh, well, Brother Kinsey, I'm struggling and I need mercy. Yes, you need mercy, but he doesn't give you mercy so you can keep on sinning. I'm going to say that again. I said he doesn't show you mercy so you can keep on having a lousy attitude. He doesn't show you mercy so you can keep on lying to the Holy Ghost. He shows you mercy so you can come out of sin. Now, I know when I say delivered from sin, you don't know what I'm talking about, so let me make it plain. Stop doing it. Oh, that wasn't plain enough. Y'all didn't get that one. Quit doing whatever you're doing. Stop now. You will be lost if you do not allow God to minister to your spirit. Now, here's the problem we're having in the American church. You don't have this problem overseas. Brother Arno and I were having dinner yesterday, and we were talking about this phenomena that when you go overseas, you can preach it. I mean, you can, nothing has to be perfect. And those people go nuts for Jesus because they're in love for Jesus and they don't have anything. They don't have any props. They have no crutches. They have nothing to lean on but Jesus. But in the American church, even the Pentecostal people can't stand for the preacher to preach on. They're embarrassed when the preacher starts preaching against sin. If you have to hang your head, Pentecostal, I'm talking to you. Because you are backslid in a Pentecostal church. You are lost in a Pentecostal church when the pastor can't stand up and tell you that God's going to search your heart with candles. And then everybody's looking down, oh God, oh God, when's he going to get done? When I'm done. So you might as well go ahead and buckle your seatbelt and put on your crash helmet because it's time for the church to get shaken up and it's time for the church to get rocked in the Holy Ghost. It's time to straighten up. Thyatira, he told Pergamus, he told Thyatira, I know thy works. Sardis, I know thy works. Philadelphia, I know thy works. Laodicea, I know thy works. God searches his people with the candle of his all-knowing presence. All of the scripture agrees with this in 2 Chronicles 16 and 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. And I want to correct a misunderstanding in so many people's minds. They feel like if somebody's sinning around them that that shuts down the Holy Ghost in their life. And that's just not true. That's just a lie from hell to try to get you to, to fall back so the devil can, can take advantage of your complacency. And so I come against that in Jesus' name. I don't care if Daniel can worship God and pray when all of Babylon was, was lost and doing all kinds of craziness. You, in, a, in the United States of America, where there are still some good people in the country. 
There's still some good people in the United States. You ought to be able to worship God no matter how much sin is around you. The darkness on the outside doesn't have to affect the light on the inside. And if you're the light, quit complaining about the darkness and just stand up and be the light. Proverbs 5.21, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all of his goings. That means that God doesn't just look at your thoughts. He looks at where you're going. Mm. Proverbs 15 and 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. What does the Bible say about these eyes that search everywhere? Daniel saw the ancient of days and he said his eyes in Daniel 10, 6 were lamps of fire. John the revelator saw the risen Lord and he said his eyes were as the flames of fire. And what the Lord sees, he searches out. Men may run, but they will never hide from the maker of men. He knew the location of Zacchaeus. He knew the thoughts of the Pharisees. He tries the reins of the heart and he monitors the inner man. He searches the chambers of imagery. He checks the holy to make certain it remains holy. And he sees, therefore he knows. I can say along with Job, he knows the way that I take. He sees and that means he is near. And as long as he is near, there's no need to fear as long as you want God to expose what he finds in your heart to you. God don't need to find out what's there. He already knows what's there. God does not search you so he can find out. He's God. He's searching you so he can show you what you're doing so he can correct it. As long as he is near, there's no need for us to fear because of that all-knowing presence. But you see, some of you mistaken that because you can feel God's presence in this service, you think it is God's stamp of approval and that everything you're doing is all right. But God brings in the second candle and says, I'm not going to allow you just to feel my presence because you're mistaken You think you're feeling good tonight because God approves of you. But you're feeling God so God can pull you out of sin. Bring you out of the fire and into the light. For the second candle is God searches us with his word. We learned this truth early on. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. God's word is a light like none other. As focused light can cut through the hardest of metals, so God's word can probe like laser-like efficiency, sharper than any two-edged sword. His word removes the shutters and the blinds from the heart and the soul and the spirit. Why is it that people blind themselves by telling their own self the, the lies that they speak to them their own mind and their own heart and because they do that they do not understand they are walking into hell 
itself. And I am here to stand between the living and the dead and tell you, you better turn around and you better walk in a different path tonight before it is too late. Hear me. I said, hear me. And I think every saint ought to, well, I've been serving God for 50 years. It don't make any difference. When you get to the throne of God, it's not going to make any difference if you serve God for five minutes or you served him for 500 years. He's still going to search out your works and he's still going to judge you and you're going to be judged. Every one of us. The light of God's word reaches deep within the life of the mortal man. I think back to the, to, to the two that were walking down Emmaus' road as the Lord walked with them. Their vision was held. They did not know that it was him. They didn't recognize him. But as the Lord opened the scriptures, they later compared notes and exclaimed, did not our hearts burn within us? Everything melts before such light. In Jeremiah 5, 14, Wherefore thus saith the Lord God of hosts, because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in thy mouth fire, and this people would, and it shall devour them. And I've had people praying for me, and I've been praying that God would fulfill Jeremiah 4, 5, 14 in this place. I want God to make my words like fire, and I want you to be like wood. And I wanted to set you on fire. God's word touches. It's like fire. It reaches. It ignites. It illuminates the hearts of men. And God is going to search you with candles. He's not going to leave anything unnoticed. He's not going to leave anything unrevealed. Whatsoever is done in the dark is going to be exposed in the light. You hear me? That's what the book says. And if you're messing around, and if you're not repenting like you should every day, and asking God to forgive you and cleanse your heart out, then you are in trouble. Young people, listen to me here tonight. Because I know we're living in a world that just accepts and allows anything. But you hear me, immorality is wrong. And I mean any kind of immorality is wrong. Married couples, you need to be with one another and no other. And you can't just say, well, I've been faithful for a year. It doesn't work like that. you got to be faithful for all of your life. I'm not talking about people who are struggling, who are seeking to get help. I'm talking about people who are living in sin and lying about it. That's what I'm talking about. That's a different level. The Bible says God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. 
I think that everybody in this house ought to get shook up because God's not going to let me off the hook and God's not going to let you off the hook. Everybody here's got to live what you say you believe. If you are a true Holy Ghost filled, Jesus name baptized child of God, you had better be living. Is there mercy if you've messed up? Yes. But you got to quit it and you got to start over and you got to live right. Does anybody agree with what I'm, and I'm going to tell you something else. Oh yeah, y'all wait, y'all standing, y'all might better stay standing. If you're trying to convince other people to turn away from standards and turn away from God and act like it's all right, you are worse than the one who does it because you are leading them with a spirit of Balaam. I can't hear you, church. You embarrassed Pentecostal. You can't handle it anymore because we are so soft and we are so easy and that's why the devil is picking people off right and left and I come against it in the name of Jesus. God searches us with his presence. God searches us with his word. But God also searches us with our conscience. This is a part of us that God reserves for himself alone. It's that conscience. That's where he sheds light on your hidden motives. And through the light of conscience, God graciously gauges our Motives speaks to us in that still small voice. And that's the reason why a lot of times you don't hear him is because he's talking to you in a small voice and you don't hear him because you've got it drowned out. Solomon said in Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. The conscience, the spirit of man is God's candle. It sheds light on our heart and mind and feelings and thoughts and it convicts us. It was the conscience of Adam and Eve that shed light on their disobedience. It was the conscience that screamed at each of them, what have you done? It was the conscience that said, I'm not clean and I can't present myself naked before the Lord and I need a covering. It's the candle of your conscience that searches that and causes you to see that there is something wrong. You ought to be, if you're mature enough in God, to self-evaluate where you're at and correct yourself through the preaching of the word. But if you refuse that and if you turn away from that, then God will escalate himself to a new level because he had rather judge you now than let you go to hell and be judged for all eternity. Now, a lot of people don't think there's a hell. They think hell doesn't exist anymore and it's certainly not politically correct to mention it, but we, uh, we pre- just about everything we preach isn't politically correct. 
I mean, we can't even come to church. You can't even get dressed, ladies, and be politically correct. When you come in here and you just act like you're a servant of the Lord, that, ought to, that, that puts you at variance with the entire society that we're living in right now. But thank God for our ladies that still want to live holy and our men that still want to live holy. I don't know about you, church, but I need a covering. I need Jesus to cover me. I need Jesus to bother me. I need Jesus to stir me up. I need Jesus to put me on my face and on my knees so I've got a burden for the lost and i got a desire to serve the Lord. Does anybody care about the souls of men? I thank God for everyone that's received the gift of the Holy Ghost. But this is not a marijuana stop for somebody to come and get a joint and get a good feeling and then walk out and still serve the devil and serve the world. This is a place for them to repent and get right with God. I heard a non-Christian author and philosopher, blogger, and I wished I could remember his name, but I can't recall where I even saw it. But he, he, he said the reason why millennials are leaving church all over America is because they witnessed their parents do church good but do life bad. And they hate the church because they feel the church has failed to put their parents where they need to be. Because they had this image and they went to church for their image sake. But did not live what they were at church. And this was not a Christian observation, if I remember correctly. It was, a, it was somebody who was not Christian but was making an assessment of why they're leaving church and why they don't want anything to do with it. Well, let me explain something to you. This church still preaches, whether we do it or not, we still preach that we don't just act this way at church. And if you're telling anybody in this church that it's all right for them to teach a Sunday school class and it's all right to be on this platform and it don't make any difference what you do in the week just as long as you look the part when you walk in the church, that's a lie from the hell and I'm calling you out on it. I'm not a Christian on Sunday night I'm a Christian every moment of my life. Does God have to deal with me? Yes. But I thank God my heart is still tender. I thank God I still got a tender heart. And God can stir me up that I can still be moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
I just want you to understand we got some candles burning in this church and we don't need the utility company, Brother Rob, to make them work. They rely on the power of God. Remember Belshazzar. You remember him? He was a king in Babylon. So he thought it don't really make any difference. I can use these holy vessels from the temple and I can use them in my debauchery and I can use them in my sin and I can hide behind the holiness of the vessel. But those holy vessels invited God's presence. You don't use God's vessels and God's presence not show up. Don't make any difference what reason you're using them for. Might be using them for a wrong reason, but if you're using his vessels, you're using his music, you're using his choir, you're using his pulpit, his Sunday school, his presence going to show up. But his presence didn't show up as a shout. It showed up as a hand. And it started writing on the wall. Now it, those drunk Babylonians got freaked completely out when that hand started writing on the wall in a language they did not understand. Now here's the problem. Most of the time when God speaks to you, if you're in sin, he speaks in a language that you can't understand. And you need a prophet. Mm. I just wish somebody was with me here tonight. You need a prophet mm, mm, mm. to tell you what's written on the wall. And I'm telling you, church, here tonight, God has spoken to me in the Holy Ghost. And there's a writing on the wall that says you are found wanting. And we need to repent. And we need to seek God. If you're smoking, if you're chewing, if you are weeding, if you're doing whatever you're doing, you need to stop it now. I don't care if it's online, offline, reline, deline. I don't care what you're doing. You need to stop it now in the name of Jesus because God is searching our hearts. I believe we're about to experience the greatest transformation and we need to be a good church and a pure church and we need to live what we preach. Hallelujah. Sometimes we forget what God expects. So he has to use the candles to remind us, and the writing on the wall to remind us. Because you see, God knows your works. Something desires to grow through the weeds of carnality and neglect. And if you neglect this great salvation, you see... 
If you neglect serving the Lord, God's word will call you out on it. I'm not saying you don't believe this. I'm just saying you've neglected it. You don't work it. I work it every single day because I know that you can lose whatever you get on Sunday night about like that. Now, if you're a preacher, you know and understand exactly what I mean. You can be driving down the highway and God's speaking all up in your life and you got this great sermon and then you stop at the, at the Circle K and get you a drink and by the time you get back to the car, you have forgotten everything God just spoke to you. And that's how fast you can lose it. That's how fast it can be taken from you. And by the time you can get it, that's the reason why Pentecostals can come to church and shout and talk in tongues and then go cuss somebody out in the, in the parking lot and get in a fist fight in the parking lot. That ought not ever be named among any Pentecostal church anywhere, regardless of what you disagree with. That's ridiculous. You ought to repent of even thinking it's all right. Just think about Herod. You remember Herod? like tongues of fire sweeping over his spirit. He remembers killing John the Baptist. He remembered trading God's word for a lascivious dance. Mm. The outward voice was stilled. The inward voice called Herod. Herod. God spoke to him. And he said, when he heard about Jesus' miracles, John's been risen from the dead. Now you hear me. You listen to me. I don't always like prophets in the way they talk. You know? They're not always fun to listen to because they, they're strange. They really are. They're weird. Every prophet I've ever known is just weird. They're not pastors. They're not teachers. They're not going to teach you nothing, but they sure will hang you over hell till you get so scared you'll do something about whatever it is you're doing. And here's the point. Herod needed a prophet in his life and he killed it. And that's what Pentecost is at right now. We want a pastor to love on us and we want an evangelist to get us excited, but do we still want a prophet? Do you still want somebody to stand up and preach to you and warn you? When the handwriting's on the wall. Or would you just rather go on to hell without a fight? And I'm not going to let you go. I know you're mad at me, but I'm not going to let you go without a fight. I'm going to stand up and fight every devil in hell and keep you on fire and keep you worshiping and keep you holy and keep you right. Hallelujah. So I say, church, stir yourself. 
Awaken from your slumber. Arise. Some people respond when they see the light. And other people respond when they feel the heat. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you, would you rather the message enlighten you or whether you need the judgments to turn up the heat? Which one do you want? Because I promise you, you're going to get both concerning your decision. Should I run? Where to? Whither shall I flee from his presence? You can't run from the light. You might as well turn and face it. I must realize if God's taken the time to search me, I... At least I'm not beyond his reach. That's at least the good news. So God search me. And here's my prayer. Would y'all pray this with me? It's in Psalms 139, 23, 24. Would y'all just turn in your Bibles and would y'all just pray this with me? Right now? Are you there? I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting on you to get there because then everybody fusses at me because they weren't there. I don't even know. You got it? Search me, oh God. See, we, we, we can't take anything serious anymore. And, and this is a mistake. Because God needs to shake us. We need to take this seriously. This is not a game. This is eternity. People are going to go to hell if we don't find a way to reach them with this gospel. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And here it is. Lead me in the way everlasting. Come on, search me, oh God, and know my heart. You don't really have to say anything else if you mean what that scripture just said. I promise you, God will search you. (laughs) Say, well, he searched me, and then he didn't tell me anything. Then he he didn't search you. (laughs) Because not one time, not a thousand times, but every time God searches me, he finds something. See, that's what you don't know. That's where you make your mistake. You think because God didn't convict you of anything that everything's all right. That just means you missed it. That's all that means. You missed it a thousand miles. Because every time God searches you, this is the psalmist talking. This is the man at the God's own heart. And he's saying, Lord, search me, lead me, know my thoughts. And yes, God always finds something to talk to you about.
to deal with, to straighten up, to correct. There's always something to adjust. There's always in this world, in this life, you can't walk through this dirty, filthy world and not have some adjustment by the presence of the Lord. But I'd rather it be the light that leads me to my correction than God having to turn up the heat. God's got a call on somebody's life and you're not listening to the call anymore. You're still pursuing career. You're still pursuing money. You're still, and God's trying to get you to listen to your call. If he's put an anointing on your heart, then you need to answer that call right now. Young people, don't turn away from this. Answer the call. Young ladies, don't turn away from this. Answer the call. There's a price to pay in ministry, and I know that, but I'm telling you, I'd rather do the will of God. And pay the price, then have to pay the price for not doing the will of God. Just ask Jonah about how that worked out for him. Ask him when you see him, hey, bro, how'd it work out for you running from that? Didn't work out too good, did it? But when he answered the call and then he went and preached, he still got mad at God because God was going to do a work and send a revival and he wanted to see the fireworks. Beware when you want to see people get what's coming to them and God decides to save them all. Because some of you want fireworks, but you want them directed toward different targets. (laughs) Mm, Oh, I figured it'd get quiet. You want them directed toward the target that you're upset with. But God may not want it that way. I don't know how he's going to want it, but however he wants it, that's the way I want him to have it. But I'm not going to sit around waiting for the fireworks. Now, if you want to sit up there under the gourd and wait for the fireworks to hit those that you've prophesied against, that's fine. But I'm going to be in the altar Seeing if, oh yeah. Now, one more thing, I'm just going to hit you. Don't tell me you got a burden for souls and we're all about souls and I can't ever see you in the altar praying with nobody. You're fooling yourself. You're playing the game. You're trying to use that to hurt somebody and I'm not fooled by none of it. You got to, oh, it's all about souls and you're out there eating Krispy Kremes while we're here sweating over people trying to get them prayed through. No, you don't have a burden for souls. You got a burden for your own kingdom and your own self. That's all you got a burden for. No, you got a burden, show that burden by getting involved now. Well, I'm, I'm not in charge of that. And I'm, it don't make any difference whether you're in charge of it or not. I went to district conference. I'm not in charge of anything. But my district superintendent said I could work the altar and I could speak words and I could do whatever I needed to do to minister to whoever. So under his authority. 
and I was sure to ask him. No, I didn't do it and then go back and get him to accept it. I asked him first, can I operate here in the Holy Ghost? What do you want me to do? You want me to just sit there? You want me to sit in the back? You want my teeth in my mouth? What do you want? Where do you, where do you want me? He said, I want you on the front row and I want you praising God through every sermon and I want you working every altar and I want you blessing people. I said, okay. And I've been obeying it ever since. You say, why? Why did you do that? You're a pastor in this district, this and that and the other. Doesn't matter. Here's what you don't understand. I can't operate in authority unless I'm under authority. That's a simple principle, but it takes, for, for some reason, people's pride has a problem with that. I don't have any problem with it because I know what the Bible says. I'm just going to do it. I mean, it don't make any difference whether it's a proud deal or not. I'm going to do it. And that's what you need to get over in your spirit is you need to get that pride. Right now, I come against every pride, every ounce of pride, because we are too proud of ourselves. And God needs to, I want to humble myself. I don't want God to humble me. Now you can pray that for yourself, but I'm going to say, God, I humble myself before you. Because if God humbles you, you won't choose. Oh, Brother Timmy was talking about the time he asked God to humble him. He said, that'll be the last time I ever do that. He said, I'm going to humble myself before God. That's the way it works. And you got to find out how to do that. And it does not hurt your pride at all. And it does, as a matter of fact, your ministry goes to a whole new level. Because you're submitted, you can operate. Just that simple. I've delivered my heart to you. I have prayed this scripture that I've shared with you tonight. And I'm going to keep praying it and I want you to pray it. And I want you to let God search your heart. Now, we really need a call to war prayer meeting like right now. We really do. Because by Tuesday night, you're going to lose all of this. And, and, and the enemy's going to try to take it away. Now, you can hold on to it if you know how to do that. And, and I, I strongly recommend to you that you hold on to this. And if you know how to do that, you can. But if you're living in sin and you're expecting God to bless your sin, he's not going to do it. Now, that's one thing saying, God, I'm in trouble and I need help. That he will help you with. I'm not saying that he won't help you with a struggle. Do you understand the difference between struggling and lying? A struggle is a struggle and everybody struggles with something. But when you've got a spirit on you that says it doesn't matter, that's when you're in trouble with God. And that's the handwriting that I see. 
And I'm, I, I don't know how to say it to you to stir your heart. If I was preaching in a foreign field, we, there would be people slain in the spirit all over the house. But we're in America now, and it's totally different because we're all geared for the entertainment aspect, and there was nothing entertaining about this, I understand. But I just think everybody ought to start praying right now. We could come up here to the front, but I think you ought to just start praying where you're at. And you can come up here, you can pray there. I mean, I don't care where you, where you go to pray, but I just think we need to pray this. We just need to stir our hearts. I want him to do it with candles. I want him to do it with his presence, my conscience, his word. I want him to do it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want you to connect with somebody around you and I want you to begin to pray and I want you to repent together and I want you to just join with them in a spirit of agreement that you're going to let God search you. It's not about God searching the person next to you or around you. He needs to do that. He needs to search me. I need to be searched. But everybody in this house needs to be searched. Go ahead, let God search your heart. Take it seriously. Take it to heart. The handwriting's on the wall and God's calling us to account to make sure. I'm not saying you're not, you don't have room to struggle because everybody has room to struggle with things. God, stir our hearts, awaken us, give us understanding in the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. God, search us. Know our heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
Search your heart. Hear the call of God on your life. Respond to it. Do it. Hear the call of God. Reach out. Minister to people. Reach out and help people. I know there's so many people that don't think God's going to do anything. He's not going to do good or, or evil. But I promise you he is. And here's Zephaniah calling through the centuries. He's still, the word is still active. For Jesus came in Revelation and he spoke it. He spoke it to the churches in, in Asia. And he's going to speak it again and again and it resounds and echoes through the halls of the centuries. And now we hear it again in this service tonight. God echoes and it resounds in our heart. And somebody's got to respond in repentance and say, God, search me. If you want, oh yeah, God needs to search them. You missed it. You missed it. No, God needs to search me. Me. That is true repentance. That is real. I want you to, I want you to just stand up and just come to the front, if you would. Everybody here that can, those of you that are not physically able, I understand. If you're hurting and you have to sit back there, I perfectly understand that. I love you and I want you to come back and be with us again. We love you and glad you're here, but I want you to come to the front because I want us to join with one voice in the corporate effort to receive this word and heed the truth. A sobering thought indeed, but one that we must consider and we must pay attention to. And we must respond to as God leads us and directs us. As God shines his light upon us so that we can be right with him so that we can walk before him in peace and power. God wants you. He wants you to be his friend and he wants to be your friend but he's going to deal with all of the areas of our life. And you can't escape that. I can't escape it. You can't escape it. You've got to let God deal with every area of your life because candlelight, its power is measured by square inches, not by the big beams and the lumens of the LED flashlights. They didn't have that back then. He didn't say, I'm going to use a flashlight or an LED light said, I'm going to use candlelight, meaning he's got to get close to see anything. But that gives me safety because if he's that close, I can reach out and touch him. And if he says, you need to deal with this, I don't have to wait for 30 years before I deal with it. I can touch him right then. And God can give me the power to overcome it right then. Amen. And the Lord can do his work in me. That, that's the key. That's the key to everything right there. 
And so I want you as a, as a body, as a church, I want you. God, search me. Know my heart. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And search me with candles. Get on your knees. I mean, you got to get on your knees. I mean, you got to get close for candlelight to illuminate anything so you can see it. And that was the point he was trying to stress. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in close proximity and I'm going to search it diligently. It's not going to be with a flashlight flashing it from a distance. It's going to be God near you. And I want you to seek the Lord right now. I want you to press through. I want you to do spirit. Because you can't change anybody else. All you can do is get your own heart right with God. And that's all I want you to worry about tonight. That's all I want you to think about. The handwriting's on the wall. And all we got to do is respond correctly and God will hear us. All you got to do is pray that psalm prayer that I prayed with you. I gave you the scripture. I gave you the word. And that's the correct response. Not one time, but every time. Search me. See if there be any wicked way in me. That's it, church. I feel something happening in the Holy Ghost right now. I want you to prevail in this for a moment. Something's breaking right now in the spirit. Come on, let your heart be broken before the Lord. Go ahead, let God do it for you right now. God's not trying to reveal this so he can condemn you. He's trying to reveal it in your spirit so you can repent of it and be delivered from it. It is never to condemn. He don't need to search nothing if he wants to condemn you. He's already got it. He wants to search you so you'll know so you can repent and be saved. That's what he wants. And if he has to turn up the heat to get you to repent, he'll do that. But I had rather the light of the word and the prophetic word. Church, don't kill the prophet in your life. Let the prophet preach. Let the prophet stir your heart. Awaken to the possibility and potential of what the Holy Ghost can do in your life. There's a call on you. Don't turn away from it. Exercise it. You start by getting in the altar and getting a burden for souls. That's where you begin. You don't start it in the balcony. 
You started where the people are hurting, where they need God. That's how you start it. And then it develops and then it matures and then it goes from there to whatever it is God wants you to do. Now I want you to find about four or five people. I want you to connect with them right now. Not just one or two, but get about four or five because I want you to connect as a body. And, and we're just, now listen to me. We're going to carry this over into call to war. Now I'm just, I'm making you aware how easy it is to lose it. That doesn't mean you have to lose it. I just want you to know how easy it is to lose it by Tuesday night. But I don't want you to. I want you to bring it back Tuesday night, Wednesday night, next Sunday, a searching of your heart. That's it. I feel something breaking in the Holy Ghost. Go ahead. Release it. Search me, O Lord. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and believe God. Go ahead and trust the Lord. God's going to clean everything out of our lives. God's going to straighten up everything in our spirit. God's going to correct and align everything according to his will, and we're going to let him. He's going to reveal stuff. He's going to open your understanding. He's going to bless you. He's going to show you how you can be a better servant, how you can operate in the spirit, how you can be what he wants you to be, what he's called you to be. Let him search you with candles. His presence, his word, and, his, and your conscience. How many of you have been feeling a spirit of oppression on you that's just starting to push you down and, and it's just been pressing you down? You don't even have a definition for it of what it is. You've just had a spirit of oppression. Would you just lift your hand and say, Brother Kedzie, something has been on me to press me down and I don't understand it. Go on, lift your hand. It's all right. Don't be ashamed of that. Go on, get that hand up there. Go on. You just felt that pressure on you, that oppression. Ah. Go ahead, get that hand up all over this building. Amen. Right now, Sister Rebecca, I feel the Holy Ghost is going to lift that oppression off of you, and he's going to give you victory. And I want you all to go pray for her in Jesus' name. You see these hands lifted, saints of God, come around them, because now you can minister. Okay, now... Now you've prayed, and, and you've taken it to heart.
Take it to heart. But now you can minister. Anybody that's got their hand lifted around you that you saw earlier, you get with them right now and lay hands on them by the authority of the Word of God, by the power of the name of Jesus. Church, I'm not going to let you leave until that oppression lifts off of their spirit and that I feel the freedom of the Holy Ghost to operate. These people are good people. They're trying to live according to what they believe, but that oppression can definitely stop you. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I feel the authority of the Holy Ghost lifting that oppression off of you. Some of you are living in conditions that are very difficult, and it's very difficult to overcome because of what you're living in. That can be one thing. It could be a job. It could be economic. There's a lot of things that can do that. But God is able right now, no matter what the circumstances surrounding, God is able to deliver. God is able to free you. God is able to lift you up right now. Rabbi. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Turn him loose with his candlelight. Turn him loose in your life with the prophetic word. Giving you understanding of what's written on the wall. We're not playing church here. This is for eternity. This is heaven or hell. This is your soul salvation. This is your chance to say yes to Jesus and to turn from every complacent Laodicean spirit and connect in perfect commitment. If a spirit of depression has affected you, I want you to lift your hand. Say, Brother Kinsey, a depression has just come on me personally. And I don't even know why, because there's no circumstance to warrant it. It's just I've been dealing with it. Lift your hand right now all over this building. If you've been affected by that spirit of depression, don't be, a, don't be ashamed of it. Don't be afraid of it. Lift your hand wherever you're at. You don't need that on you. You need to be free from it. This is the kind of service where God can get down into your heart and life and deal. Right now, lift up your voice. Right now, lift up your voice. Right now, by the authority of the Word of God, by the power of the name of Jesus, I speak it. There's no reason for you to walk out of here and be bound or in bondage any longer. If you will respond to the Holy Ghost word that was spoken tonight according to the text. Read it right out of the Bible if you need it. That plain and easy. It's that plain and easy. And God, I promise you, that's one prayer God will answer. 
You won't have to worry about whether God's going to answer that one. That will be answered. Right now, Holy Ghost and fire, fall on this person. Depression, leave this place. Oppression, you have no authority here. How many of you have been bothered with worry and anxiety? Lift your hand. Worry and anxiety. Panic. Worry. Anxiety. Get those hands up all over the house. I want y'all to come gather around Jeff, Jarrett, and Sherry over here. Come get, who else? Who else? Come gather around them. Get around them all over here. Get around Carissa over here. Pray for her. I'm not going to let you go until I feel that that spirit has lifted off of you. We've obeyed the word. You've prayed it. Now let's believe God heard us. And if God heard us, he's going to answer us. He'll search your heart. Don't worry. He'll let you know everything you need to know. If you'll listen, he'll tell you. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.